0: Dylan, we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie, and it's about my career as a teacher. But I've known you for so long. I know. How's this going to work? I know, but I've factored that in and I've tried to think of three things that are obscure enough that I don't think you'll easily tell. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. So here's the first one. I asked a question in class and a child responded, your (laughs) mum, to which I asked if we could leave my mum out of the maths lesson. That's the first thing. (laughs) The second thing... A child once tried to bribe me with in-game items for Grand Theft Auto 5, <laughs> leaving me with a whole bunch of concerns. Obviously, it's a primary school. And the oh last God. one is, I once got caught in a drop-and-run fart mission by a child because it made a sound and we both looked at each other. <laughs> What's a drop and go fart mission? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. So a drop and run fart mission is something that every single teacher does ever. And if they say they don't, they're lying, which is when you walk around the class, you really need to, you know, let one go, but you're in a class. So you just kind of walk up to a table, sort of let it drop and (laughs) and walk off. Because you're not going to get the blame. (laughs) It'll be the kid sat there. We've all done it. Don't look at me like that's not something you've done before as well.
1: So what happened in this situation? You did this and then a child flammed you out
0: or? Yeah. So it made a sound. It has to be silent, obviously. You've got to drop the fart. The the fart can't make a noise. (laughs) But it made a sound that I didn't anticipate. And the child nearest me looked at me and I looked at them. So, okay, I think I've got
1: pick two truths um so okay, I think that the one about dropping a f- you've absolutely dropped a fart and it's gone wrong, so that's true. Um, <laughs> then the other two
0: <laughs> remind me of the first one in detail it again? was so the child <laughs> responded to my question with the answer, "Your mum." okay,
1: I think that's true. So I'm going to go <laughs> for the your mum one is true, and I think that the fart one is true, and I think you've made up the grand Fifth one.
0: That is not correct. Okay, what happened? So obviously you got one of them. So the your mum thing happened literally this week and I just couldn't believe. (laughs) A child genuinely said that. I was just asking a normal question. Like, right, anyone got the answer to this one? Your (laughs) mum. Like To my face. To my face. I couldn't couldn't believe it. But I couldn't also help but just... I was so bewildered. I was like, almost made a joke out of it. So that one's real. Uh, I also did genuinely try to get uh, bribed by a child. (laughs) grand theft auto what are they I'll bribing see- you for i can't remember we was on a, some sort of school trip and i think they just they were like oh let me go ahead or something like that trying to bribe me with and they were like oh, I'll, I'll give you like a car or some money or something like that in grand theft auto 5 and i was like right firstly <laughs> we're in year six <laughs> like you shouldn't be playing this game like and also you're trying to bribe your teacher like this is just so wrong so those two things happen. so you
1: naturally you accepted the bribe
0: and let him to the front yeah i'm probably the richest player on grand theft auto 5 now so And, but the last one's not true because as much as I do drop farts (laughs) and run, I've never been caught.
1: Hello everyone. Welcome back to episode four. We've been around for four whole episodes now. It's Teach, Sleep, Repeat. My name is Dylan. And my name is Hayden. And Hayden is getting better and better every week (laughs) at saying his name. Well done, chow. Well done,
0: mate. Well done. How's your week been then, Hayden? Do you know what? I've had a really good week. And I think because of our last podcast episode about wellbeing, I've really started to like be hyper aware of myself at school again and I've been trying to actively have a little bit more fun and nice little moments with the kids and it's definitely made a positive impact to my week.
1: Oh, that's nice. So you didn't get any work done, though. you just
0: told them stories no, no. about your past? <laughs> all, all stories, <laughs> just no work whatsoever, but I had a great time, yeah, no marking, weirdly enough. Hello, Mr. Stevens, can I see your science books for this week? No! <laughs> that's <not the> end. <laughs> what science and what books?
1: Uh, anyway, how was your week? Yeah, not bad, apart from earlier in the week when I had to get my nose cauterized. Oh yeah, what was that about? Yeah, it wasn't great. I've been having a few nosebleeds lately. Uh, It's a very childish thing, isn't it? I I associate nosebleeds with children. And when I was younger, (laughs) I used to get them. And uh, recently I had three in a week. So I ran my GP, obviously. I was like, what's going on? And they arranged an appointment. Uh, So I went along and they were just going to take a look up. And I wasn't really sure at this point what was actually going to happen. Mm. But I walked into the room and there were six adults in the room, (laughs) six people. So immediately I'm a bit like... Is there a problem here? Do you need all of these experts to take a look at what's going on (laughs) at my nose? Uh, but it turned out very quickly that you could tell that a lot of them were just learning. They were trainees right. almost. And there was a guy in there who was obviously the lead, the experienced one. So I sat down anyway, and he kind of checks up my nostrils and it's from the left one. And he then invites the girl over to kind of come over and have a look. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Yeah, get him to have a look and see what's wrong. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, go from there. And he was like, okay, so I can see the blood vessel. And I was like, okay, good. So we're going to cauterize that now. And I was like, what, what? Okay. What? So I'm worried straight away, thinking this
0: really hot metal rod's going to be shoved up my nostril. I'm all this woman it cares about is she's having an observation right now and you're the you're just the victim.
1: Yeah. It was literally like that. All I could think about was in the context of teaching when we get observed. So she's like shaking and I was like, okay, cool. Well, you know, uh, the bloke's going to do the cauterization, the expert. And he just goes, so I'm thinking, do you want to have a go? And she's like, yeah, sure. And I'm sat in the middle, just like, oh, okay. Uh, it's really cool that, you know, of course we all have to train. Yeah. Awesome. Nice one. Really, really brave. Having a go. On me? Do we have to do that on me? <laughs> so could you do it on the next person? So I'm just really worried right now. But I just kind of sucked it up. Uh, they put a general anesthetic up your nostril. And it's so bizarre. You kind of just feel this spread from the back of your nose of all feeling and sensation going. And it was just like oh. your nose was blocked. You couldn't feel anything at all. And they just dab it with chemicals, actually. It's not like a hot rod or right. anything medieval. They just burn it. It's obviously updated. Yeah, they just literally, they get these chemicals, dab it around the affected area. But you can't really feel anything at all. And then just for the last three days, the numbness has just kind of returned. And I just thought, okay. But luckily when she did it, the guy had a look, he went absolutely brilliant. He gave a really good feedback. So it was a lesson observation. She was probably on the edge of outstanding. So good on her. Oh,
0: that's pretty grim. So a nice grim story. Your week was um, pretty, pretty gruesome. A Bit more gruesome than mine.
1: Yeah, not the best week ever. But anyway, moving on. I wanted to get into actually the meat of this podcast. And you tell by the title what we're going for today. because. In the news, Hayden, and I know we've discussed this very briefly, but not fully because we're saving it for this episode, has been the recent edits and changes that have been made to some of the works of Roald Dahl. Now, Roald Dahl, as we all know, is one of the most popular children's authors in the entire world, and his works are read by everyone. I've read them to my class before, Hayden. I know you've read them to your class. I don't know a single teacher who hasn't used these works before. Children absolutely adore them. But somehow we find ourselves in the middle of a really heated debate about censorship and about sensitivity. So that's what I've kind of labeled this. And it's kind of come down to that is what should be censored? What should be really
0: taken into account of people's sensitivity and whether it's too offensive? So when we decided to kind of talk about this uh, topic, I did go away and read the news. I read quite a few different articles from quite a few different places. And there was a a general kind of consensus in the news articles that were popping up, at least for me anyway, of this kind of disagreement of, oh, we shouldn't be censoring. I didn't actually see anything that was like, no, we should be in favor of the censoring. So I thought that was really interesting for a start. So I was very aware that my opinion might be immediately impacted by the fact that everything was telling me to think this one thing. But I did try and think of both sides. And in the end, I'll tell you right now, I kind of came to the conclusion that I don't really know what to think. Like I'm, I've am i got things for both sides, which hopefully we can talk about.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, I thought we could do that. And what I'm going to do now then, before we get into the, obviously, the crux of the argument, I just wanted to actually read out the changes that have happened. These, these changes at their core, try and strip back what you see in the media and the furore and the woke war and the, the culture wars and trying to pit people against each other. Let's just actually look at what was actually edited and maybe Hayden, we can just have a discussion about what we think. Here are the things that were actually changed, okay? So Augustus Gloop from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is now described as enormous instead of the word fat, and that's been removed from every book, the word fat to describe him. Mrs. Twit from the Twits is no longer ugly and beastly. She's just beastly. So they've taken out the word ugly. In the same book, a weird African language is no longer described as weird, just as an African language. The words crazy and mad have been removed as a result of the emphasis on mental health recently. A threat to knock her flat in Matilda has become uh, give her a right talking to. So they've got rid of any hint of violence there and references to colors have been changed. The BFG's coat is no longer black and Mary in the BFG now goes still as a statue instead of being described as going white as a sheet. Mm. So there's a real range of changes there that kind of hit a lot of different demographics, a lot of different people, a lot of different feelings. Um, So it's quite hard to generalize, isn't it? And um, I just wanted to get out there to be really clear what the changes actually are before we kind of just pick a side on a a basis of just that's what I think.
0: So I'm going to jump on one of them, if you don't mind, because one of those actually came up when I was looking at things earlier. And it interested me. It It was the Augustus Gloop one, right? Changing the adjective fat to enormous to describe him. And someone made a really interesting point about um, who decides which of those is worse. Because they, it, it was a, it was a large person saying, "I describe myself as fat. I would be more offended if someone called me enormous. Like that, that feels so much bigger. You could be tall and, and enormous, whereas fat is this kind of one thing that we agree on. That sort of got me thinking about, oh, I wonder which other ones are just completely subjective and potentially up for debate as to whether they're a good change or not.
1: If you've read Dahl's work. He doesn't shy away from being almost cruel to some of his characters and nasty. And there are certain themes. Augustus Gloop is still someone who's going to be incredibly greedy and overeats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of they've gone in and changed this language because of it's been this sensitivity review that they've been doing for a number of years. And it's been updated as time has gone on. I don't necessarily think that it's got anything to do with us. And that's what I mean from a broader Broader picture here. Now, if the government had stepped in and said, This needs to be censored from the top down, I'm ordering you by law, you cannot say this. That is horrific if that happened. That would be absolutely terrible. That'd be horrible. And the opposite's happening. Rishi Sunak's come out and said, Of course, he's jumped on, we shouldn't be censoring anything from the past. And I just think these polarized views are crazy. I just don't think they make sense. No one from the government is saying, We must change Dahl's work, else you're going to go to prison or get fined. It's the Dahl estate. Have actually themselves decided to launch a sensitivity review and change this work as they've gone on. It's from the inside out. You know, it's up to them. It's their work, right?
0: The dollar state actually sold off a lot of the works, didn't they? Quite a few years ago. I don't know if you know much about that. But they sold the rights to about 16 of the stories from Royal Dahl. So it is up for debate whether they've had a huge input into this or not. And as and also as to whether they actually have any say into the final changes. Um, some people were arguing that they actually won't get to choose. Whether it stays or not, because like the independent companies that have bought it have that final say. So that's another interesting take on it. I don't really know how relevant that is. Yeah, it's interesting though, because also I suppose at the point where you sell the rights to the work,
1: you also sell the right to be annoyed if they change it, right? You can't take the paycheck and then turn around and say, "Oh, how dare you change this thing that I sold you?" If I sold my car to someone and they put a new exhaust on it, I can't. (laughs) How dare you change that exhaust? How could you do that to me?
0: So I kind of led myself to this question, right? Of do I really care? Because I noticed that when I was watching some videos of like news anchors talking about it in various programs, they were so unbelievably passionate, like vehemently against, like, I cannot believe they're changing these classic stories, making them so much worse with these these terrible edits as if they think they're better than Roald Dahl. And I was like, do, do, they, do these people really care? It's, it's a couple of words, a couple of phrases amongst like hundreds of thousands of lines of text. I, I don't know. C-
1: can I just guess maybe where you saw this news anchor going
0: crazy? Was it GB News by any chance? I point? think it was actually, yeah. Oh, I was just trying right. to rack my brains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So
1: it was the media who are funded by certain uh, people of certain views, whose literal existence is to stoke these culture wars, to stoke anger, to stoke hate. They benefit from these conversations getting visceral and angry and dividing and conquering. You're absolutely right. Let's just step back for a minute. A child's book has changed from fat to enormous. Are you going to cry about it? Yeah, the story's not changed. No. And this is the other thing, like I just said earlier, he's still a greedy character, Dahl always exaggerates his characters. Always, always, always. And there are some stereotypes that come into it and we can discuss the the meaning of these stereotypes. And yes, his language is outdated. And look, for me, it comes down to this, right? What is the end goal for these edits, right? There's Mm. one of two things going on. Either they genuinely believe that the language is outdated and offensive to their base and they want to change it to help them. But let's be realistic for a second. If these have been bought by a company, they've not been bought for a philanthropic cause or for a charitable cause, they've been bought so that they can make a profit in the long run. And this company or this estate or whatever it is who owns these, uh, these stories are choosing to do this to keep their books relevant, right? They're choosing to do this simply because they think sales will be helped in the long run. It's as simple as that. It comes down to a free market capitalist view of what's going on. If they thought that doing this would lessen sales, they wouldn't have done it. If they think that doing this would increase sales, they will have done it, which is what they've done. They're not doing this as some kind of moral outlook to be the best people in the world and say, you're wrong if you
0: think this is horrible.
1: They're doing it to survive in the long run.
0: So I think the ones that you mentioned, the changes that you mentioned were interesting, but there's a couple more and I've got two written down that I just wanted to talk about. I wanna get your opinion on this because I think they're a bit different. So here is the first change. When describing the Oompa Loompas, they are changed from, it's changed from small men to small people. And the second one is most formidable female, when it was describing a character, has been changed to most formidable woman. And I just felt those two were a bit different to me. I thought those changes were perhaps less necessary. And I can understand why people might go, why have we done that? We're just changing his works for for potentially no reason. But other people obviously would argue there is a reason. What do you think?
1: I think what's really important to do in them situations is do you know in the same way that we feel that beforehand those were fine and acceptable because let's say maybe we understood the idea that um someone reading the word fat over and over as an insult if they themselves were overweight they might have their feelings hurt by that and us too maybe we can understand that a bit more because we're in that com- we we were in that community um you know, I'm carrying a bit of weight, let's just say, <laughs> and uh, you're carrying a bit of, let's just whoa, say. Whoa, 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 no, 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 just you. <laughs> but <laughs> what I mean is just because we can understand that, then we say, okay, I understand that, that's fine, right? Yeah. I think what we need to not do is fall into the trap that a lot of people fall into. As soon as we don't understand something, maybe we don't have lived experience of it, we can't then automatically think it's pointless and shouldn't happen, right? So for example, in those situations, it's clearly about gender and gender identity and uh, being inclusive, let's say, I don't know, okay, because I'm not an active part of that community. But what I'm not going to do is then say, that's wrong, because I don't understand it. And I don't get why that's necessary. There may be a really good reason as to why they feel the need to do that, which is absolutely fine by me for me to come and pretend that I know all about it and say, well, I think that's silly. And I don't get it. That would just be ignorant for the sake of being ignorant. And I don't think that's very helpful.
0: Yeah, but I do wonder where the line is because I, I do agree with you and I'd like to try and have liberal thoughts, but for me, like most formidable female, it was alliteration. It made, it, that was, I think that was an authorial choice of, of language. And, you know, he painted a very good picture. That's why he's so famous because he painted really uh, good imagery in, in for his words. And I think changing it from most formidable female to most formidable woman, although like you said, there might be something I don't know about that. For, but, you know, I, I don't know why female was not good enough and woman is, is okay, PC enough to be put in. But for me, that does change the works. It changes a little bit of the beauty of what he crafted with that sentence. I don't know. So for me, it's like, where is the line? Other ones, I think it's just straight up, I don't care. Honestly, describing someone as fat or enormous is that is it's doing nothing for me. I don't care. And I don't really see why anyone would che- would care about that, about changing it so badly that they think it's worth potentially offending some people just to keep that original word but I reckon there are maybe some other changes like the formidable one where I think, oh, there was a, there was an authorial choice in that. It wasn't just a random adjective. I
1: suppose as well, the thing, the point that I come back to in that case also, moving on from that, if if potentially you still think, well, it's an authorial choice, like you said, again, it's, it's their work, right? It's not my work. It's not the public domain. It's not like a shared myth here of, you know, something that's going to directly affect me. It, does it make the work slightly less poetic uh, mm. not having that alliteration in the sentence yes you could say that and no one could argue against that but equally do do you care like you just said do, do you like do you care about uh it being changed from fat to enormous you think that's fine of course if that helps mm. people feel better about themselves and it doesn't um, it doesn't necessarily make someone feel awful hearing that again and again, and you don't care. Fine. I also don't care if they choose to make that change as well, because it's not my piece of work. Yeah. If I don't like it, I won't read it. If I really, really cared that much that I was going to use the original one, I'll get a first edition book because guess what? Millions have been printed and they're not going to go back and tip X them out.
0: Yeah, that's true. It might be worth some more as well. <laughs> but I, I think you said something then it was, um, if you don't like it, don't read it. And I I think that kind of applies the other way around as well, but I I don't know where my mind is. I'm changing it as I, as we talk about this, literally as we, as we go, but the other part of me right now is like, yeah, okay. Just leave it. Don't change it. Don't change it at all. And if you don't like it, just don't read it. Honestly, get over it. That was one of the best arguments I
1: saw against it. I think it was Philip Pullman, another author, um, who again, just said, look, he thinks let it fade into obscurity. Let the works fade into obscurity. If they're that offensive to people, Mm. the sales will drop. And then it will just back down. And and why don't we look at these other authors who for for decades, rather, have been releasing work, which Dahl has overshadowed because he's so, so popular because his work is amazing. His books are fantastic. So if it's that offensive, let it dwindle away. But guess what? That's my point. The estate and the publishers don't want that to happen because it's a cash cow for them. So they don't want it to fade into obscurity, which is what might happen, which is his point. So they're actively making these changes. I think the point I want to make here is, it's capitalism, right? They just want to make money. They
0: think doing these changes will make them more money in the long run. It's as simple as that. So here's an interesting thought experiment that I was uh, pondering on earlier, right? So if you know much about Roald Dahl, then you'll know that he actually was kind of kind of horrible
1: in, in some ways. Can we be a bit more, you know, fronted about and, and serious about it? He was an uh, anti-Semite. Yeah, so he was it anti-Semite. He was kind of horrible. He was horrible. He-, he was. A horrible human
0: and he was known to have sort of racial slurs and things in his original works right now uh it's well documented that um his editors at the time of writing a lot of his books when he was younger were like mate you can't have this in there like you you need to get rid of this And, and they were kind of editing his work for him you probably see the point i'm getting to here they were editing his writing and they were taking out his racial slurs and his anti-Semitism, which was really blatant. Back in, then as well. Back then. When it was
1: more socially acceptable. Think how bad what he
0: was writing was. If in the 70s or whenever he was writing these books, his editors thought then it was too bad. And part of me just thinks I could imagine people, GB News back in, you know, if it existed back then, having <laughs> having this kind of debate of being like, well, the man wrote it. If he wants to write that, it's freedom of speech. Let him write it. If you don't want to read it, then don't read it. And it did make me think, God, am I just falling? Am I just going into this horrible circle of thought? Where well, I don't know what I should think because <laughs> it's true. It's like, but we all agree that we should take out the racial slurs and the semitism, but we're arguing about taking out some of these other things that maybe offend people now. Well, like, I don't know. Am I wrong? I kind
1: of want to twist this into a discussion about our point from as teachers, because there'll be lots of teachers listening to this podcast who maybe have listened to that debate and I thought, oh cool, okay, that's interesting. But now let's get into the actual context of you and I as our job as teachers, because this is where it flips for me again. Okay, And I guess this is maybe the glasses I've been wearing so far, because if a book is a book on the shelf in a shop and a parent can choose to buy that or not and read it, an adult, and a parent can choose to buy it or not for their children, right? At that point, this whole censorship debate and what's offensive and what's not offensive... That has a much lower threshold to me at that point. It's, it's Okay, it's up to you. You're a, you're an uh, adult who can choose what they read and consume and you can choose not to, right? Yeah. And an adult can choose for a child what they're given. Here's where it's a big problem for me. Children in my classroom do not choose which books we read. And the children in my classroom do not, or are not, sorry, uh, capable to say, no, this is not something I want to be reading. This is too offensive for me. This is too... Yeah. Um, maybe what we're talking about in this book or what's said is really damaging me emotionally. And I'm not old enough to articulate that. And I also can't tell you uh, because you've planned this curriculum for us from the top down in the position of power.
0: Like a class text, you know, where you decide what we're reading and they have literally no say in it not their own books where they've ta- perhaps taken them from the library but the ones that we decide we're going to study we're going to learn from this text yeah I agree that's a very different perspective
1: yeah and I think from my point of view actually it makes even more sense what they're doing and, and, and again I'm just trying to get into their heads I don't know if this is true or not but school is the number one place where children get their books and their enjoyment for reading and their love from right so it seems to me that this is a sensible move from their point to stay relevant because the longer time goes on if you're reading lines like weird african language to children and they have african heritage and they pick up on that and they don't quite like it and it's just seeping into the other children's minds that haha yeah those languages are weird or you've got a child who is overweight and they read fat 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 and they hear it on the playground because children pick up on stuff they absolutely love these stories they're going to go and quote it on the playground they're going to pick this language up and use it i don't think that's appropriate from my point of view as a professional, I'm not there to have a debate about free speech with these children. Yeah. I'm there to teach these children English. And what really, really grinds my gears is when fellow professionals, this is brought up and they'll say something like, Well, I just picked the best book for the job. I just picked the best book to teach fronted adverbials. If it happens to be a bit dodgy, then that's that. It's freedom of speech. No, there are millions of books. You're telling me you happen to pick the book which has the best examples of a fronted adverbial and a noun phrase. I don't think so. There's going to be lots of appropriate books. I just think there's absolutely no need for us to do that in the in the classroom. We can let them read them, they can bring them in, they can read them themselves. No censorship whatsoever. We technically censor books all the time by not choosing them. I don't think that's an appropriate thing to say. We're not censoring anything. We're choosing appropriate books that we're going to keep our children emotionally safe and secure. If you've got a classroom that is maybe full of uh, children from a poorer background and you're in a deprived area, if you're reading a book that generalizes these people, I'm thinking of David Walliams, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say the name because there's a lot of problems in his book. If we're reading books at the front that stereotype them as living in a huge block of flats in a dirty room that's overran and the stepmom doesn't care about them, you could be describing the life of one of your children in the class as the end of a joke. And that's crazy
0: to me. Why would we do that to our children? Just because, well, we'll toughen them up. Uh, just as a disclaimer, Dylan wasn't making up that description. That was that was from David Walliams, um, who is another controversial figure. I'm glad you mentioned him because I was about to mention him as well, because he is a kind of modern day role Dahl in terms of being quite controversial. And I know from te- uh, from like teachers groups and Facebook groups and all that sort of stuff that he is widely considered as an author that we just avoid in class for the exact reasons you said earlier now I used to really promote David Williams books because I was like oh they're funny and kids seem to like reading them and my mindset has flipped a bit over the years like I don't actively go out of my way to say to a child oh don't read that I don't I don't it, like you said it's not my place that that parents gone and bought that book they can have those discussions that's not my role to have but if I'm choosing a text for my class to read with them I will just not choose a David Williams book because I do think that they do exactly what you've just said there. I think they use generalizations that are a little bit unkind, despite the stories being fun. I'll sacrifice that. I'll find another fun story.
1: Yeah. And I think someone conflating that with censorship is absolutely out of this world to me. That, that They are completely different things. We are not trying to censor the work. Just because we didn't choose it doesn't mean we're saying it doesn't shouldn't exist. We're just saying for the means to our end and for what we think is appropriate for our children... We're not going to choose it. There's something very similar uh, to The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas. Huge thing. It's a hugely popular text. It's quite distressing, that story, The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas. It's often taught alongside World War II in upper school, particularly year six. And recently, uh, various Jewish communities have come out and said, it's not really appropriate. It's not actually a, a real, a, a really good way of portraying what happened in World War II. And it doesn't really get across the atrocities in a way which is appropriate. And it might kind of dampen the blow of what actually happened in the children's minds. Now, there was obviously, you see debate about this at the same time. There's always a debate because you have to pick a side, right? That's what people think, have to go to one poll or the other. But I just can't look past the fact that do you think these Jewish communities and these groups, these charities have, they're not doing this for fun. They're not doing this because they've got nothing better to do. Let's make them pick a new book. If we don't understand it, It doesn't mean they're wrong. You might look at that and go, why can't I teach? Well, I tell them the actual atrocity. I make sure they know that it wasn't just like this. Just don't do it. If the Jewish community are coming out and saying that this is not appropriate, swallow
0: your pride and don't do it. I'm going to end this debate with the final little note that I wrote myself when I was just jotting down my thoughts earlier, thinking about this conversation. The final thing I wrote to myself was, do I really know what on earth I'm talking about with any of this? <laughs> that was the last thing I wrote because that's that's where I got to at the end. And you're exactly right. I was like, I don't want to be at either end of the kind of polar opposite thing that like you said. I don't really know what I think. I think different things about different things like we've said. And I just ended up being really confused. But I feel like we've come to a nice conclusion together in that conversation.
1: Absolutely. We should bin all of the books and never read them again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Hayden, I've got some news on the social media front, but before I say that, if you're listening to this podcast on whatever platform, could you please give us a rating? And I'm not just mean any rating, can you give us a (laughs) five-star rating? Because it really helps us legitimize this podcast. If people come across it, they see it's got ratings, they click on it and we get more and more of you guys listening every week. So do that for us, click the notification bell and you'll get a ping when the new episode is live, which is of course every Friday morning. But Hayden, like I was saying, I've made a new social media account. Okay. Can you guess which one? I can guess it. I reckon it's going to be Tumblr. Absolutely not. It's not 2004. <laughs> Have one more guess. Myspace. Okay, you're stuck in the dark ages. It is Instagram. Ah. We've made an Instagram. And I can't wait to tell you the name, Hayden, because our email account, oh. teachsleeprepeatpod at gmail.com. <laughs> What do you think about that one?
0: Oh, I thought it was great because it was such. It was just so short and snappy and like catchy. <laughs> I hope
1: our Instagram is <laughs> well, good. Well, that's the point. You're going to love the Instagram already. Go on. I want you guys to go and find us on Instagram. Hit us follow at uh, <clears throat> Teach Sleep Repeat Podcast.
0: Hey, that's not too bad. You just added on an extra four letters. I'll I'll let you off. You know.
1: Yeah, not exactly. Not you bad. know. And what we need to do if you follow us. Well, will uh, accept your follow, of course. I want you to give us a DM and tell us how many letters are in the name of our Instagram account. And I'll look forward to seeing.
0: <laughs> wow, what a fun challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting flocking to Instagram.
1: What? Is there any content there? No, but you can tell
0: us how many letters are in the name. Hang on, sorry, hang on. Sorry, I'm going to pause this because I've got, I've got Instagram on the phone. Yeah, their servers are down. There's too many people coming. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh wow, you guys.
1: You did that before we even released the podcast. That's impressive.
0: <laughs> anyway, let's move on to our favorite segment of this podcast. Oh, it's definitely Which exciting. has a name? Our favourite. Yeah, it has got a name. Um it's called Stories from the Classroom. Why do I think you've just made that up on I the spot? I have just made that up on the spot. That's why. But Is it because that is the
1: literal name of our second episode have <laughs> just taken that?
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> but you know what? It's catchy. It's good. I'm gonna make a little jingle. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see that next week then. Um, but let's
0: dive straight in then because we need some light relief, right? I've actually got a story that's been written into us. If you don't mind me sharing it. Please do. Um, and then afterwards, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what we did last week, right? I've got another one, but I'm going to send it to you again. So it'll be on your phone. All right. So this one's from a friend of mine. All right. She, she, um, she wrote in seeing that we'd started the podcast and wrote in a couple of funny stories. And I really like this one. It was short but sweet. So <clears throat> a couple of years ago in the classroom, she's teaching, she's doing a science lesson, um it's one of those lessons where you look at like solids liquids and gases you do the classic you know all that stuff with them how how they change state and all that and uh she just making sure that they understand the basic vocabulary because it's just a good teaching strategy isn't it do we know what the solids are yet yeah, good uh know what liquids are and um she wanted the children to give an example of of liquid because she was a bit unsure that they, they all knew what it meant <laughs> and uh, a girl put her hand up and the teacher just kind of says hey, yeah so give an example of a liquid And that girl deadpan, dead serious just goes, um, fairy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and it took her a couple of seconds, the teacher, a couple of seconds to just clock on <laughs> what was going on there. But yeah, obviously fairy liquid is not and I think at that point realized. Is she wrong? Back. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's is not she wrong? wrong? <laughs> she's not wrong. It's a liquid. It's it's on
1: the side. She's seen it at home. This green liquid. She's absolutely right in my opinion. But That's it, brilliant. It was
0: one of those moments when we've all had it in class where you something makes you chuckle. It just catches you off guard, completely catches you off guard. You feel like you've seen and heard everything, but then something gets you. And she said she could not stop chuckling for like basically the rest of the lesson, which you feel really bad because you don't want to be laughing at <laughs> the child. But, um, she yeah. gave a serious answer and
1: yeah. you're just at the front belly laughing. Mocking her like,
0: are you fool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Right. Anyway, so I've, I've sent you a story, okay? And this is my favorite one. So I, I've saved it till the end. And it's not as long as the last one, but I'd like you to read it out to us. All right.
1: All right. So I've got this week's one. It's from Andrew, one of our good friends. Andrew says, and I've not read this yet. Let's dive straight in. It was a classic end of day, absolutely knackered. I'd just seen the children off and I came back into class and just sort of plonked on the end of a table and laid down flat with my legs hanging off the end of the table. We all do it. We all do it. It's relaxing. Turns out I fell asleep. (laughs) No, he didn't. No, he didn't. When I woke up, it was two hours later. (laughs) The, The cleaner had come in and wiped all my tables, wiping around me. Asleep on one of them. They kindly didn't hoover. Clearly keen to not wake me up. (laughs) Wake up the sleeping teacher. Woke up to a lovely tidy room and I left a beautiful silhouette of dirt on the pristine (laughs) table.
0: I think it's rather symbolic. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine that the embarrassment of being like, oh man, an adult was literally walking around me whilst I was snoozing on a classroom table.
1: And the idea that this lovely, lovely cleaner just thought, oh... I'll leave him. I'll leave him. It'll be like almost like the outline you see in those films when a murder's (laughs) (laughs) happened—that white outline. He just stands
0: up and he's just like flat Um, on the floor. (laughs) I think the only thing that could have topped that story was the idea of him waking up and like he's got a blanket on him or something. (laughs) So they've gone out of their way (laughs) to like make him more comfortable. Don't wake him up. Just leave him
1: there. (laughs) Or he wakes up and it's literally the next morning and the kids are at the door.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's been all night. Just (laughs) why are you wearing the same clothes, sir? All the staff, head teacher, all think yeah, leave him. Funny joke. Funny joke. Just leave him there. (laughs) Do you remember that time when I got locked in the toilet? Oh, oh my God. What a story. How have we not told that yet? I think maybe we can save that
1: for next week, right? You're going to. If you stick around, guys, you come back, I will tell you the story of how I got locked in the toilet at school and had an audience of about. Eight staff waiting for me to exit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Does it have? Any- oh, hang on. Does it have anything to do with Pritt Sticks? Because we've not told that story either. Or was that...
1: Oh my goodness. Hayden, time. I'm going to wrap up here because uh-huh. I'm getting inundated with people asking me what on earth is Hayden about, on about with the Pritt Sticks? Yeah, and yeah, you yeah, can't even yeah. be bothered to say it during the podcast. So we're going to wrap out up there, guys, because that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time for A Toilet Trap Story. See you then.